Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Good Works Podcast. Today, Sarah and I are passing the mic along to people with some really important lived experience who are tackling huge issues here in the community. Please join us as we listen to a conversation about race in the Southern Finger Lakes. to tuning into this month's episode. I'm thrilled to be able to share the mic today with two powerful women. Jackie Council is founder of BU, an organization that helps women transitioning out of shelter services and really landing on their own two feet. And Nicole Parks, boy, she has had pretty much every role you can imagine. Um, So we're going to call her a community advocate because the truth is her list of titles and accolades and uh, the hats she wears just goes on and on. So today, I personally am thrilled to have this opportunity to listen to those two really wonderful women talk about growing up and living as Black women, particularly in Elmira and the Finger Lakes. Here at the Community Foundation, we realize we have some pretty um, pretty big blind spots when it comes to race as far as grant making and scholarships are concerned. So we're starting with listening and taking the advice of people who know exactly what needs to change. So thank you so much for listening today with us. And as always, you know, stay tuned until the end because they have a lot to say. I'm going to share with you now, though, that what I'm really looking forward to is as lofty as it sounds, a world without racism. I think we can make that possible by working together. And I know that I play a role in shaping that world. So I'm going to sit back, listen, learn, and uh, we'll be back with you next month in the next episode of the Good Words Podcast. Thanks. My name is Nicole Parks. I am, I like to call myself a community activist or a community advocate, rather. Um, I am happily married to Carnell Parks, and I have two amazing children, um, Jasmine and Jordan. Um, Jordan is in L.A., and, and Jasmine is here married with and just had our very first grandbaby, and so um, I am a new grandparent, so I'm, I'm living life right now. And um, I am also a registered nurse by trade. I am absolutely, com- you know, just passionate about health in all its forms. And I'm glad to be here to talk about, um, you know, Juneteenth, um, what it means, and really having a great conversation about um, our multiple pandemics all at the same time here in 2020 through the lens of Juneteenth. So hi, everybody. My name is Jackie Council. Um, I am a wife, mother, community activist, um, self-love and boundaries coach, and the founder of BU Women's Empowerment Organization. I am honored to be on this podcast today to talk to you about the public health crises that we are facing in duality here in our community. And um, look forward to getting this discussion going. So back to you, Nicole. Thank you, Jackie. I also would like to just say a special thanks to Sarah uh, Palmer and Randy Hewitt for, you know, sharing the mic with us 
um, during this time. Uh, we know that um, since you know the beginning of the year, we had this sort of um, health impending doom coming our way. And in March, um, literally the bottom fell out for many of us, especially in New York State, but across the country and now upheaving again. But in the midst of that, uh, we had another upheaval, not that we didn't know that this already existed with our um, law enforcement and our justice system or lack thereof. Um, we find ourselves what we are calling a dual public health crisis. One, we have the literal health crisis of this pandemic of the coronavirus. And two, we have this crisis of violence in black and brown communities um, that is also perpetrated through law enforcement. Um, and so we, we're dealing with both. And the, and the pandemic, just through the coronavirus itself, revealed the many ills that we already knew existed, you know, um, those things that contribute to poor health and poor health outcomes. Um, we know that, you know, places, things like housing, access to health care, uh, poor education attainment, um, it, poor employment or low employment. Um, those are just a few things that contribute to um, the determinants of our health. And so that's why we're saying this is a dual health crisis, a public health crisis. And I think when we frame it in that way, um, it may avail itself to more action to really turn in the curve um, on these issues. So talking about that through the lens of Juneteenth. So I probably should back up a little bit and tell you what Juneteenth is. Um, Juneteenth is a celebration of freedom of the slaves, American slaves. And we know that um, through Abraham Lincoln, through the uh, executive order of Emancipation Proclamation took place in 1863. But the slaves that were in Galveston, Texas, were unaware that that had meant that they were free too. Um, and so by the time they got that information, it had such momentum that celebrations broke out across the South um, in the beginning about that news of freedom. And so as we look at, you know, knowing and understanding that history, um, I don't know, I didn't grow up as an adult, as a kid celebrating Juneteenth. I wish that I would have, um, but, but I didn't. And so in our own little area, uh, through some very conscious people, um, in Elmira decided to celebrate Juneteenth. And the history of Juneteenth in Chemung County in the city of Elmira actually takes place 20 years ago. It was first celebrated um, at a church, one of the local prominent churches um, in Elmira, uh, Faith Temple Community Church. And there they had the first Juneteenth. Now, I was unaware that that planning had been taking place. And my husband and I had a small craft business making canaras for Kwanzaa. Uh, that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were in Syracuse and celebrated Juneteenth in Syracuse that year. But in what happened after that was a group of people 
got together and wanted to really work on this thing of culture pride and really um, helping us to to celebrate education and um, you know health and all of that came together. That group was called Citizens Revitalizing Communities. So anybody who's mm-hmm. listening to this co- this co- podcast might remember that group and members of um, people that work for Cornell Cooperative Extension, EOP, um, a number of other organizations that were part of Department of Aging and Long-Term Care were part of that conversation. And what we found in our discussion is that there wasn't a particular festival that African-Americans had that we celebrated. We knew that there was an Italian fest, there was a Jewish fest, um, there was an Irish fest, the Ukrainians had their own festival. We did not have our own festival during the warm months. So here comes Juneteenth. And we decided to move Juneteenth from the church into the community as a whole. And so it was born at the Ernie Davis Community Center adjacent to uh, the Economic Opportunity Program. And so with that, coming to Juneteenth uh, 2020, we had already started meeting and planning, Jackie and I and others, um, as to what we were going to do with Juneteenth. We had all kinds of ideas what we were going to do for this festival. We started talking in January. We actually started talking in December. And then mm-hmm. we started talking some more in January. And then in February, we actually met to start putting our plans together. And one of the things we were talking about is, um, you know, entrepreneurship among the black community and business and how we need to support each other. And then the theme of cooperation slash collaboration versus competition. And we had a mm-hmm. frank discussion about how difficult it is for minority-owned businesses to um, really be successful, period, let alone in a small community like this. And we often find ourselves competing with each other instead of embracing and collaborating and cooperating with each other to be able to galvanize you know, more um, supplies or whatever. Correct. So that's how we came to our our theme. And we really wanted to make sure that, you know, in all of our Juneteens, we always talked about unity is important. We have to get ourselves together. We have to support each other. We have to celebrate each other. So Juneteenth is in a nutshell, an opportunity for us to come together, unite. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate our successes through the year. It's an opportunity to reflect on what has happened And where do we go? What's the next steps moving forward? So in the spirit of reflection, we we fast forward. We come into this pandemic and understand that we probably are not going to have the we're not going to have the same Juneteenth that we usually do. And then the bottom falls out with (laughs) the death of George Floyd. And I'm going to transition it over to Jackie to talk a little bit more about the impact of the death of George Floyd. And I say that that way only because there were so many George Floyds before George Floyd. And the culmination of his death, his death was really a culmination of two to three other deaths that had happened just before him. And it was so public. I think it just, it not, it shocked 
the nation, the world. And so our Juneteenth turned a little bit in terms of what we usually talk about. We always talk about our certain things. And Jackie's going to tell us a little bit more about how we came to those things and what, you know, the ideas around them and why they're so meaningful now more than ever. Thank you, Nicole. Um, yes, the the murder of murder and death of George Floyd was a was a horrific time in our nation. Um, was a horrific time that we experienced, um, and right before Juneteenth, it created a very somber. Um, a very somber moment in our community and also required it a vital that we celebrate Juneteenth mm -hmm. um, because of everything going on. We had to have some sort of pride um, and some type of awareness in our community because that's what we do as black people, right? We, um, when we face trials and tribulations, we come out by singing, praising and, um, and moving forward. Right. So that's, that's what Juneteenth is, right? So we, um, we, we turned things around with Juneteenth, the murder of George Floyd, the, the day that that was announced. And I know for many families in the black community and, and families throughout, um, the world, when they, when they saw the video, when they heard the news, it was a somber moment. It was a terrifying moment for the black community. It was a terrifying moment for our families. Um, we've grieved and we've been grieving ever since, um, and we've been working through it. Um, it took weeks for people to even really be able to have conversations. And I myself still haven't even looked at the video. Oh my um, God. Cause Jackie. I can't, it's, it is so, it is so, I had, I can't watch the whole thing. I mean, you know, when I finally did watch it, that's when all of this in your throat emotion for me yeah. just yeah. sat there. I couldn't even, even now couldn't even have a, a full conversation about what the heck did I just see? Yes. And as a mother and as a mother of a black son, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't move myself. You know, I, I read, I read the words and the, the tears flowed and, and I just couldn't force myself to watch that video. And I felt like I wasn't going to allow myself to be re-traumatized, but I also know I was called into action at that time. Yes. And now was the time to move forward and start to, to, to make changes and start to have conversations. And it fell right during Juneteenth. Yeah. Um, and we had a, a dramatic change in Juneteenth due to COVID. Um, we had a huge Juneteenth planned in our normal location, um, you know, with really the celebration of Black Wall Street was yeah. really um, the focus of Juneteenth this year and Black owned businesses and Black organizations. So we, we sat down and we said, how are we going to, how are we going to get our message to the people? Um, and and do it effectively while social distancing, you know. Yeah, right. So, um, so we were able to. Do, we we did a series of 
PSAs, right? A series of public service announcements um, that I'm, I'm sure many of you saw uh, on the WETM, um, and we had different um, we had different topics that we covered, and we covered topics anywhere from faith uh, to voting, Black love, inequities in our education system, um, economic development and entrepreneurship, music and health, which are which are focuses that we've always had in the black community. Right. Um, something we've always had to really focus on one, because faith, faith is what, um, saved us. Mm-hmm. Faith is what allowed us to survive. The, the black church was our safe space. Right. right. Um, so, so faith has always been very important in the black community because, um, and, and many people don't know that, that we had to go to the church to literally survive and not yeah. just to go to the church to, to, to praise and worship, but to literally survive, you know, um, New Year's Eve, Halloween mm-hmm. nights when the KKK would be out and riding, mm-hmm. um, the black people would be in church for survival. Mm-hmm. So faith is something that we focused on for Juneteenth. We talked about, um, voting because right now with everything happening in our community and everything happening in the world, um, we have to have people voting. We have to have people voting and voting educate with uh, um, educated and edu- mm-hmm. do, you know casting an educated vote because exactly. we we are systemic is racism or my apologies racism is systemic um, and we have to. We have to fight it from within the system. And the only way that we can fight it within the system is by voting, right? Mm-hmm. Because because it's, it's about affecting policy. Mm-hmm. And in order to affect policy, we have to influence policy. And in order to influence policy, we have to select the politicians. Exactly. And the only way we can select the politicians is by going to the polls. So we really discussed voting um, and the importance of voting in the black community. And I actually just saw something this morning where it was saying that, you know, there's a, a, a misleading um, information out there saying that, uh, that black people don't vote when actually we've been the ones coming out in droves voting, especially Um, this last, especially the last 10 years. And not only, you know, as a whole, but black women, you know, black women have been pushing and playing, doing, you know, we, I'm, I'm, I'm the product of a mother that can make a dollar out of 15 cents, single mom, (laughs) you know, and the power of that woman, you, you give that woman something to do and she sees herself in that movement and Mm -hmm. the progress thereof unstoppable and so I just to chime in on what you were talking about the importance of voting one of the biggest lies that have ever been told and and have been perpetuated to the point that certain people not just black folks but disenfranchised folks um, have believed that, that their vote doesn't matter Yes. And that is such a lie. And especially for black folks, I just want people to remember this. If that was really true, there wouldn't be so much effort to put barriers in place to keep us from voting. So I, when people start saying those things, I am relentless. Jackie has seen me when I do voter <laughs> registration, I will chase out somebody that tells me no. I, as a nurse, 
it's very difficult for me to receive no with no explanation. <laughs> so I, I yeah. take voter registration and education so seriously, not just because I know that my ancestors died and were slaughtered from trying to vote, but the fact that I have experienced the benefit of my vote. And yes. so I think that that's really important. Thank you for that bringing that up. Yeah, that was huge. And then we discussed black love, you know, um, black love is not just romantic love. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not about the black marriage movement. Black love is about loving ourselves. And we really wanted to get that, that, um, information out and, and plant that seed into individuals because we have to love ourselves. And in the black community, we have struggled with self-love and yes. can you blame us? Can you right. blame us? I mean, right. you know, for years and still to this day, the color of our skin can get us killed. The color of our skin can, can, get us, you know, in a position we don't want to be in color of our skin has gotten us raped and the color of our skin has got us turned away from jobs. And that's the reality, you know, no mm -hmm. matter what people say, that is the reality of the situation. So learning to love ourselves through all of that is, right. is huge. And, um, so we did a real push on black love, loving ourselves, loving the, our men and our women, loving our children who are often considered difficult and headstrong. Um, and, and just that whole encompassing thing of, and theme of black love. Um, we did black love. We did the inequities in our education system and coming from a small town, um, in Shimon County, we, we definitely see that prevalent. I have three young children, um, and our education system, we don't see people who look like us, you right. know, um, our children don't have teachers that they may have one or two teachers in a whole entire district, um, of, of people who look like them. And so we discussed that. We discussed the inequities in the education system. We discussed not learning about our history. Um, you know, they give us a month in February and we learn about black history. So we talked about that and um, we talked about economic development and not having access to the funding, not having access to the money, not knowing where to get the money and not knowing how to get the money. So we did a PSA on that. Um, we talked about our culture and our music and uh, the black music is, is embedded in all the music um, that everybody listens to. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we talked about the love of our music and music got us through a lot. Um, music is how we protest. Music is how we praise music is how we love like um, music in the black community is just as, just as big as faith. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we talked about health, you know, with, with COVID-19 um, and health in the black community, we struggle from, we struggle from many disparities. And so we discussed the health in the black community and the lack thereof mm -hmm. um, access to healthcare um, and how COVID-19 has affected our community because um, it affects people with pre-existing conditions. 
conditions, right? So who has the most pre-existing conditions? The black and brown community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have we have the elimination of Obamacare where they eliminated coverage of pre-existing conditions. So how does that affect our community? So we really, we, there, there's so many, that's a whole nother topic. That's another podcast. So, right, exactly. you, know, you know, but these are things that we discuss. And then at the end of it all, which is everybody's favorite part. We had a day of celebration where we um, had some amazing food vendors come out and Mm -hmm. we enjoyed the African-American food experience. Right. Right. Um, right. Cause that that's uh, Heidi Hose did a, did a wonderful dish for us and mm-hmm. the CFJP Bistro did some great food and um, we had some voter registration out there and we had a day where we could socially distance and actually get together and enjoy the food experience because everybody knows that's huge in our community. Right. So, um, so yeah. And I want to, I want to go back to the health, health aspect of things. And Nicole, you're our, you're our health expert on the line right now. So (laughs) I want to, I want to send that back to you and say, you know, um, so what is, what are some things that, that you want to educate people on right now about health and being an advocate for yourself, um, especially through everything going on right now, even with, you know, uh, racism and the, the issues that we're facing, what are things, because that's also a mental health thing. So what are some things that people can do to advocate for themselves when they're going to the doctors or they're going to the therapist, um, that you would suggest for us? Well, thank you for that question, Jackie. I would say, you know, in light of, you know, um, looking through, the pandemic, looking at the pandemic through the pillars of Juneteenth 2020. Um, one of the things we know the this coronavirus did for us, as unfortunate as it is, um, the first wrong step was to make this a political play ticket, you know? And so because of that, a lot of misinformation went forward initially. And unfortunately, a lot of people died especially in our community. We know that those social determinants of health that I talked about earlier about the lack of access to healthcare, some of that's related to disconnectedness to a employer that helps to supply health insurance. But the other part of that is, you know, where we live. Some, you know, many times African-Americans, um, uh, don't have the same earning power and have to live in subsidized housing or housing that is, you know, exposed to more um, environmental pollutants that puts our risk factor up. O- older housing puts our risk factors up and make us more vulnerable to certain um, conditions and illnesses um, like the coronavirus and then impact our health in terms of, you know, high blood pressure and um, diabetes and um, lack of um, ac- access to healthy food. And we have it better here than Shimon County. But if you do not have proper transportation, it makes it more difficult for you to access fresh food. And then if you have chronic conditions that you need to be going to the doctor's office to be seen and checked up on, you have to consciously make a decision as to, am I going to use this money? to go to the doctors or do I, do I use this money to go to the grocery store? People are making these types of decisions every day. 
And many of them are in the African-American community and brown communities. And we don't say all this, Jackie Wright, because we are wanting sympathy or pity or anything like that. No, mm-hmm. that is no. furthest from the truth. We are a mm-hmm. proud people, right? Just yeah. like any other, just like any other ethnicity. We're, you know, we're not looking for handouts. We're looking for like, let's help us get in the gate, help us have more access. And exactly. the way we the way we do this is through policy. And that's going back to your point earlier about voting. That's why it's so important that we get people in there that understand that healthcare should not be a political thing. It should be a human right to have access to health care so that we can be healthy enough to take care of our families, period. We can be productive citizens in the communities that we live, period. Mm-hmm. And the other part, as we're trying to navigate all these moving parts, right, one of the things that we know that the COVID virus really affected, we didn't know. I mean, some of us had an idea. But the fact that we were isolated and pulled apart, that physical presence, we know now is so important. But I bet you one thing, if you ask the people who are in prison that have been locked in solitary, they'll tell you human presence is important. That is a weapon. Do we know, do we not know that solitary confinement is a weapon of, you know, that the military can use? to break down the enemy, to, to get them to tell whatever intel, that's a real strategy. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and we use that against ourselves and not to say that that wasn't important. I mean, I feel like we, there was another way that we can do it. I don't know what that way is. I'm just saying it's an observation now because there's so many people that have been isolated at home um, with their own thoughts. And some of them already had mental um, health conditions that they were battling. And I'm just saying that the coronavirus in the way that we approached it and trying to keep us safe also had the potential of harming people. And so for us in the African-American community, one of the things that we do is we gather and our gathering is support. You know, what we deal with day to day, our gathering is so important. So our mental health, this is something that has been, you know, taboo in the African-American community, I think as a whole, you know, mm-hmm. it, it has especially a, in our community, the spectrum, it is a taboo, mm-hmm. but particularly in the African-American community, because we have such a, a strong uh, bone of religious, you know, pieces in there. But even the Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. Right. And so we mm-hmm. know what happens when we're left alone in our own thoughts. And then, God forbid, now we have 24 seven. Uh, you know, media that can feed us any kind of wackadoodle, you know, information that we we may or may not ascribe to, but listening to that 24 hours a day and you being alone with those thoughts can further impact that. So some of the things I, I would encourage us to continue to keep in mind is that we have to recognize that our own mental health is important and that we are in charge of us. And that means we have to self care, take care of ourselves, provide yourself opportunity to have some space to turn off the electronics, to meditate, to reach out by phone, by text, to connect at least in that way. And I know sometimes that has gotten like, not, you know, just not on your nerves after a while, but that still is some form of connection. 
Um, we even started sitting on our porch and waving to the people as they go by. I mean, <laughs> and, and it was, you know, by any means, you have to have human contact in some form or fashion. And social distancing sure. is really important and masking is really important. But to that end, uh, one of the things you can do for self-help advocacy is identify in your circle who are the people that you can trust to help you hear what a medical health professional is telling you about your health. Because sometimes when we are, we are expecting bad news, even though we may not get it, we tend to sift out information and we don't get it all. So it's important that we have a, a runner up, somebody, a ride or die, or somebody who's going mm-hmm. to be here to tell you the truth of what the doctor or the nurse said, and then encourage you to speak up. Sometimes when we get bad news, and we don't want to hear what they have to say because that means there's going to be a behavior change that we have to make and we're not ready to make it. We have to have somebody that's going to say, I'm going to be with you. We're going to do this together. You have to mm-hmm. do this because your life will be worse. You're, you will feel worse if you don't make this change and make this change now. Um, there are lots of other things that certainly we could take up a whole other podcast talking about that. But I really would like to move into our final steps. And I know we've been on here a long time, but obviously we have a lot to say. And I just am so grateful that Sarah and Randy invited us to talk. I hope that you don't change your mind um, about having us back. But in that vein, where do we go from here? Like that question, or what can we do to help? If I'm, I'm a, if I'm a listener and I am, I have been inspired by what Nicole and Jackie have talked about, but I don't know where to go with all of this. You know, Jackie, what, what would you say to the person that is having those questions? Like one of the things I would say just quickly is um, make sure that you um, are informed, you know, be a, be your own educator in terms of being proactive and trying to inform yourself Um, And so when you get in a conversation with people, you have an informed, you know, something informed to talk about. I would say start in your own family. Start talking to your kids. What are your kids talking about? How are they feeling about the national health crisis and, you know, death by cops or the violence that they may hear about in their community? How are they how are they processing it? Start having that conversation in your own family, your own circle of friends. But then on top of that, I would say go and find the documentary 13th by Ava DuVernay. Um, That talks about our justice system or the lack thereof and how institutional racism has shaped that system from the inception of this country and how it is so difficult to navigate that system innocently um, if you're a person of color. And the other thing I would bring up is um, Jane Elliott. Look up Jane Elliott, who is a, a woman who is an educator, and she started with action the day after Martin Luther King was assassinated with trying to teach the young people about the difference and the impact of racism by her blue-eyed, brown-eyed experience. And then 
uh, white fragility. And I know, Jackie, you have a lot to say about some other materials that folks could benefit from. What, what, would, you, what would you tell people who ask, where do we go from here? How can I help? So I would tell people, you know, and I have this conversation daily, um, and I've actually spoken at a few events that our topic of conversation was, where do we go from here? And um, first of all, it's, it's educating yourself, like Nicole said, it's educating yourself, um, having those conversations with friends and family members. And Understanding that systemic racism goes beyond police brutality. Yes. That's the biggest thing. You know, first we have to understand what is systemic racism. So that's where that education piece comes in. And uh, White Fragility is an excellent book that you recommended. Um, white Rage follows White Fragility. So if you read White Fragility, read White Rage, um, Waking Up White. Those are just a few books that we have. Um, Jim Crow, The New Jim Crow, that's a great book as well. Um, and then it's it's also, you know, you can read books, you can look at podcasts, you can follow people on IG, follow people on Facebook. There's so much out there right now that you can educate yourself. YouTube is a real um, thing. YouTube and Google. YouTube, YouTube and Google are great. Um, we love educating. Nicole and I are both educators in the community. We're educating activists, I would say. But at the end of the day, um, we really want you to educate yourself as well. Like, go out there, educate yourself. If you have questions, we're always open for discussion um, and to talk to you about those questions. But making that step to educate yourself is huge. Um, I encourage people to speak up against racism. Speak Absolutely. up against racism in the workplace. Speak up against racism that's um, happening in the community. Speak up against racism at your family events. Um, speak up against it and support the Black people in your life. Support your Black colleagues, support your black and brown family members, um, because we need it right now. Um, just like anybody that goes through trauma, anybody that goes through, you know, the loss of a loved one, um, we're, we're experiencing that. And a lot of people don't understand that. So, um, I think if you're an educator, um, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, um, educating yourself on um, racism in the education system and targeting the education system, um, buying books that have brown children in them for your brown children. Yeah, um, wonderful. Those you know, are great ideas. Those, That's awesome. Those yeah, those different types of things. And then we go on to, like I said, vote, vote, vote. I can't say it enough. Petitions and political engagement are huge. Um, so we can march all day, every day. But if we're not doing the things, if we're not making the steps and taking the action steps to create change, we're not going to get anywhere besides tired. So right. I want you all to uh, make sure you're voting, you're doing petitions, you're, you know, you're engaging in political um, activities. Um, we have a bunch of black and brown owned um, uh, uh, stores um, that you could put your dollars into. They always need support. Um, so finding out in your local community um, where are the black and brown owned businesses and giving them some money, you know, going out there and buying from them, getting your hair done through them, getting your T-shirts made from them. Um you know, uh, listening to the FMG radio has a, um, 
uh, a radio station that's a and they do a lot with the children in our local school district um then we have organizations not for profits that are black and brown nonprofits locally and here in our community because i think it's great i've seen a lot of action um where people are organizing events and they're just sending money to george floyd's daughter and george floyd's family and to these places all over the country but remember your your change the change that you affect starts right here in your own community that's so right. right here in your community there are black and brown organizations that are active that are that are actively doing um education that are actively working with people coming out of incarceration mm-hmm. that are actively working with women and children that have experienced domestic violence and human trafficking that are actively working um against racism so those organizations, and I say um, NAACP, uh, Program of Peace, uh, Man to Man, who focuses on men's health um, and mental, physical and mental health, um, uh, Fathers Helping Fathers, those are just some, and, and my organization, of course, BU, are just some of the organizations locally that are black and brown organizations. Um, we have, um, so just... Uh, volunteering or donating um, to these organizations would be a huge help in your community. Coming out when we hold events and getting educated um, because we hold tons of events in our community all the time. So, you know, we had Juneteenth, we have Kwanzaa, um, we have all kinds of stuff. So we always welcome you and invite the whole community to um, come out and and celebrate with us. So um, those are just some things I would suggest Nicole. Um, and what do we have coming up that maybe people could get involved in? What are, what is, um, what are some things we're looking forward to, uh, in the community? So I know that there are a number of things that are, that are in the works and we are not at Liberty right now to announce them, but stay tuned. Um, lots, there's several things I'm like bursting at the seams, but, um, they are coming to a theater near you, if you will. <laughs> um, but I will say that we have a number of voting registration and education events that are being planned throughout the summer through the fall. And it is absolutely with social distancing in mind, of course. Um, I know that we will be going out into some of the housing complexes starting on Monday um, um, to start doing some voter education and, um, and registration. And so if you are at all interested, um, in helping us with voter education and registration, feel free to follow me, um, at Facebook or what, I don't know, follow you. I don't know if that's the right term or not, but I'm on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie's on Facebook. Um, Jackie's on Facebook and, um, Program and Peace, they're doing some things, um, also the YWCA, um, Hey, a lot um, of people don't realize that the YWCA is actually their, one of their main, um, existence is eliminating racism. And I know that that's important to that organization. EOP has been doing things for years quietly. And the other point I wanted to make before we leave is this for our black and brown organizations and businesses because we don't have the same buying access and power, it many times costs us more to do business. And so some prices may vary based on that access. And I think that's something that all of us need to keep in mind. That's true. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that we probably don't even talk about enough. And that's probably something that another podcast, we don't talk about four four different podcasts that we can do. Um, I I would like to add in there that um, program of peace, they are doing something August 28th. They're getting a bus. um, It's going to be leaving from Wakeman's parking lot here in Elmira. They'll be going to Washington DC to the March on Washington. um, The get your knee off our neck March. So there is availability on the bus. So if anybody's interested on that bus trip, please reach out to the program of Peace page. Um, and also I will be doing a, I am co-hosting a July 9th, a, um, a panelist, a discussion on racism in rural America. So I will be a panelist talking about growing up black and white America. So um, those are two events that you guys can tune into. Um, check out the uh, Myra Poor People's Campaign, um, BU's Facebook page and Program of Peace Facebook page for some upcoming events. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I knew we weren't going to be able to stick to them a few little minutes. We have so much (laughs) to talk about. But again, I am so completely blessed and consider it an honor to be um, in this conversation with you, Jackie. You are an amazing person. And (laughs) there's so much promise. There's so much work to be done. And I'm just happy to be alongside of you doing it. Thank you again. Yes, thank you. Community Foundation, to Sarah and Randy and to Sean. Thank you so much for all your help in getting this together. Thank you.